episode 2222. For those of you who might be tuning in to the podcast for the first time. What have you been doing all this time? (laughs) That's true. What have you been doing? But no judgment. We're happy to have listeners whenever they might come on our show. Mm -hmm. And once you listen, once you're captive, that's, that's when. Yes, you're hooked. This show is a podcast all about pets, veterinary medicine, all things animals. I am your host, Dr. Lauren. I am a veterinarian and internal medicine specialist. And my name is David. I am an actor and voice actor, an animal lover, honored to be sitting as the right-hand man of my wife and boss, Dr. Lauren. Definite boss. I got to get him in line. Yeah, he does about 10% of the work for the podcast, but brings 100% of his A-game. Okay, thanks. Thanks, I guess. (laughs) All right, so apparently I say all right a lot. Now I'm all self-conscious about it, thanks to my husband. But I think today I want to answer the trivia question. Go for it. Okay, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine with it. Okay, so the question was from last week. It's the weakest trivia question yet, so you can take this one. (laughs) I like it. I like this trivia question. Um, On average, how many teeth does a common garden snail have? And the options were zero, 450, 3,600, or 14,000. And I was actually surprised by this. I didn't, I mean, I'm a vet, but I don't know about, I guess, like snails. Uh, Common garden snail has 14,000 teeth. They're microscopic, which I think is probably why I didn't know about it. Uh, They're called radula, and some species actually have over 20,000. So I think it was a bit of a trick question because they're not teeth like we think of them but they're microscopic. Microscopic teeth. But still, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Wouldn't want to get bitten by one of those. Yeah, and it makes me, I actually don't know much about snails, but what are they eating? Is it little leaves, plant matter that they need to be grinding up with their radula? I need to do a deep dive into into snails now. I, I don't really know. I don't know, to be honest. But Are they eating? Remember that snail that was on our walkway and I had like a 30-minute photo shoot with it and got like such good really pictures? Really nice pictures, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was a snail. I have to show you. Yeah, we were going to post these pictures. that night. It was no, we didn't have escargot. But it was so cool. And my camera was just doing such a good job. The lighting. And you can like literally see so many details. It was like an... Uh, but you could not see the radula. You couldn't see the radula. Those are microscopic. But yeah, I don't know if a snail can bite you. Does anyone know if a snail can bite you? Let us know because we don't know. Uh, comment on this episode Instagram YouTube let us know okay David you're up in the news I think most men have been told at some point in their lives to keep their snake in their pants however to make everything dirty literally it's a it's a lead-in for the big news story Uh, a New York man has taken the phrase a little too literally Calvin Bautista has been charged with smuggling three Burmese pythons in his pants at a U.S.-Canadian border crossing. Oh, God. Now, this event, actually, it took place in July of 2018. um, But the story is Bautista took snakes on a bus in his pants. So just imagine being on on a Greyhound bus and knowing that there are three Burmese pythons. These aren't corn snakes. These are Burmese pythons. Burmese pythons. They must have been babies at the time because a Burmese python is one of the world's largest snakes. Um, And, of course, why don't you want to bring it into the U.S.? Well, they're hugely invasive and could be a massive, massive threat to the native animals. So um, if convicted, he could actually face 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. 
as you should. Animal smuggling is like a huge industry that it's it's crazy. It's people smuggle in all sorts of animals from all over the world, like in basketballs and weird things. Yeah, going keep your custom. snake in your pants, but don't cross the borders with them. <laughs> that okay? That was a okay. Your your story game. I would rate that one like mm, like six out of ten. Aiden gave you a five out of ten. Our producer, so. Uh. You can give him the evil eye, but that was pretty good. All right. It was hysterical. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that a, was a three out of what? ten joke. <laughs> that was so bad. So bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, when we come back, we're actually going to be trying out a new segment. I'm calling it Stump the Vet. And basically, David's going to tell me different stories, and I'm going to have to guess which one of them? Two truths and a lie, essentially, but with with uh, two lies and a truth. Nope, two truths and a lie. Oh, there's two true stories. And two one true stories one. and a lie. Okay, so I have to find the fake story in yeah. this group. Okay, okay, let me get my thinking cap on. I'm nervous about this. When we come back, welcome back. This is a new segment that we are bringing to our listeners called Stump the Vet. Essentially, dun, 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 we need like theme music. We I do, think. yeah. We'll 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 figure that out. Well, we're this is the trial phase, okay. and it is essentially two truths and a lie. So I'm going to give you three stories, okay, uh, written by animal owners, and I want I'll go through each three of them, and then at the end of it, you can tell us which you do not believe to be true. Okay, which is the false story? Which is the false? Okay, let's do it. First story. My sister booked an emergency appointment for her cat. She had recently adopted this cat from a shelter, and it seemed totally healthy, but my sister was convinced that she had a lung infection. Brought her into the vet. While the vet was checking out the cat's lungs, I was holding the cat, gently scratching behind its ears to calm it. The cat began purring, and my sister points and says that is the sound that she was referring to. Everyone was stunned, and the vet explains that was called purring. After much explaining, she takes the cat back home, the same as she arrived. Okay. Story number one. Story number two. My friend's golden retriever goes to the vet for a very odd reason. The owner said that the dog had been exhibiting uncontrollable shaking, but only at specific times. When asked what she meant, she said that every time heavy metal music was played, her dog began shaking uncontrollably. But as soon as the music stopped, it would go back to its normal self, like nothing had happened. He didn't shake normally, so this experience was super odd. The vet said apparently this was something called essential tremor syndrome. Uh, the vet was able to determine through this physical exam, at which point the owner switched to headphones, and the problem has not persisted since. Okay. Okay. Story number three. Last month, two small lesions appeared on my dog's paw for no apparent reason. We do a lot of muddy walks. We live in Edinburgh, Scotland, so it's hard not to. I was mentioning this to a fellow dog walker, and he said it could be a sign of something called Alabama rot. This is a rare disease that can kill your dog. I panicked, brought it into the veterinarian. The vet said, no, this was not Alabama rot. We were able to get some antibiotics that cleared up the lesions quite quickly. So we've got three options to choose from. We've got a lung, lung infection mistaken for purring. We have got 
a uncontrollably shaking dog to metal music, and we have got an Alabama rot case potential. And one of them is false. One of those is false. Okay. So I'll start out with case number one, which unless, I mean, that could definitely be true. There's a lot of owners that bring their pets in for like weird noises that are very normal. So like purring, especially. Who doesn't know what a purr is? Yeah, but if you're a new cat owner and you've never heard, and some cats like purr that they're like, like it's very sounds congested okay. almost. Um, definitely cats can have like a very congested sounding purr. So I could see that, especially if you've never really owned a cat and you hear it purring, you you know, maybe you just need someone to say, yeah, that's a purr, but it's not always like a healthy soft, sounding purr. Yeah, it's not okay. always. So like, I definitely think that story could be true. I mean, I have owners that bring their pets in all the time. Like people come in on emergency, like my dog's choking, my dog's choking. But what it's actually doing is like reverse sneezing, mm -hmm. which is a very common reason why dog owners come into the ER and it's like, oh, you're, it's just a reverse sneeze. It's not a big deal unless it's like continuing persistently. So I definitely think there's definitely weird noises that animals can make that can be, especially for a new cat owner. Maybe this girl's really young. It's an hey, it's an expensive mistake to potentially make if you just. Yeah, I mean, a vet visit. Okay, so I'm going to believe that one's true. Okay. Then we have, so that one I'm going to say is probably true. So I'm the, the two that I think, of the two that I think are false, I think it's either story two or story three. Now, story two, this, there was a couple things that like red flagged me in this story. And hopefully this isn't just poor writing on the part of you and Aiden that, <laughs> that are, would not be the case. Um, but in the second story, like the heavy metal music, I mean, sure, dogs can definitely, like at first I was like, okay, yeah, like a dog, it might not like the sound of the music. It's really aggressive. It might shake. It doesn't like it. But what kind of threw me off was this essential tremor syndrome. I'm like, I've never heard of that. And also then you said something like, and then the vet did a physical exam and figured out that's what it was. But like, I mean, realistically, if you need to rule out causes, you can't really f diagnose any sort of condition like a tremor syndrome on physical exam. Like maybe if you said he played the music and the dog shook and but I've never heard of this essential tremor syndrome. Like there's definitely tremor syndromes, but never heard of that particularly. So that was a red flag. Now the final story. Um, I just, I, I will, can I, can I just interject and say essential tremor is a nervous system disorder that causes involuntary shaking. So it does exist. In so. people or in dogs? Hey, I'm just, I'm saying it's. Well, there are involuntary shaking disorders, particularly like we call them white shaker syndrome, or there's bulldog tremors, which are like these uh, tremors that happen um, that don't really have a cause. But I've never heard, like I've heard of audiogenic seizures, which are seizures that are stimulated by loud sounds. I actually just recently saw um, a cat who had audiogenic seizures. It would like seize when the owner, her long fingernails were, uh, were tapping on her uh, iPhone. Oh, okay. So there are definitely audiogenic seizures. There's definitely tremors, but I've never, I don't know if I've heard of this essential tremor syndrome that's like instigated by music. Anyways, so that is where I'm conf confused about that one. Now on the final story, which is this Alabama foot rot story, I, I can't remember particularly if that it's called Alabama foot rot, but I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if it's pythiosis or... Um, another fungal foot infection, protozoal foot infection that dogs can get that can be deadly and it tends to be in moist kind of environments. So 
I would, I guess I wouldn't, I can't remember if it's actually called Alabama foot rot or what it is, or if that's like a horse thing. So I, I can't remember specifically, but it kind of rings some sort of bell in my head saying this, this seems like it could be true. But what sounds like it could be true from that story is one dog walker saying to another dog worker, oh, I, I know this person who had a dog who had cuts on its foot and ended up, ended up being this terrible thing and the yeah. dog died. So that would easily scare someone to bring them to the vet. So regardless of whether I think that it's truly Alabama foot rot or not, I'm going to kind of believe that story. So my, my guessing is that the second story was false. And if it's not false, I would like to fact check it. Uh, yeah, you know what? We'll give her. We'll give it to her. <laughs> she was correct. Yes. And the writing mistakes probably came from me. Aiden probably did a great job, and then I made some corrections as I went through. And and uh, well, yeah. Well, I know it was good. It definitely got me thinking. And you guys stumped me a little bit on that last one. Um, but the the thing that really got me on that second story was that I didn't really know of anything particularly with that like the essential tremor syndrome caused by music and then the whole like and then the vet did a physical exam and diagnosed it it's like eh, you'd probably that would be that was a hundred percent the red flag for you there yeah. was like i'm pretty sure there's no way to make any sort of determination without some sort of blood work or some exactly other like i mean that would be like a diagnosis of exclusion like those tremor syndromes usually you have to do blood work mri like make sure there's no structural brain disease yeah. a neurologic exam so that was a bit of a red flag for me it's like you can't really diagnose that on a physical. So I'm right. Well, this is, uh, like we said, this was our first trial of this segment. I liked and, it. and now we're going to, um, we'll just have to well, we be have a to find more out cognizant what, with our writing. No, I think we have to find out what the audience, audience thinks. Did you guys like that? Did you play along? Did you get the right answer? Do you think we should keep up this segment? I liked it. It was kind of fun for me. It was like a little game. So, so far, uh, the vet is. One and O. Oh, she has not been stumped. So yeah, one and O. Oh. What happens when I get stumped? Is it like podcast is over? Is it like um, we, we realize that she is uh, not practicing <laughs> what she preaches and uh, she's cut and the what's that like Nickelodeon show where you get like slimed? <laughs> yes. Now we're talking. <laughs> That's great. You get a litter box dumped on your head. No, that's <laughs> disgusting. Okay, no you way. You get a litter box dumped on your head, and Mariska Hargitay is coming to be our my co-host. Okay, well, I'll be down with that anyways. All right, well, that was a fun segment, and when we come back, we're going to finish off the episode with some trivia. All righty, we're back, and I actually just wanted to follow up with something on the stump the vet because I wasn't sure I you know the red the flags were ringing in my head about Alabama rot but I wasn't sure exactly what it was and it wasn't what I referred to which was pithiosis which is a fungal infection that dogs can get they can get it from like swamp it's called like swamp cancer is the the fake name but this is actually I remember learning about this studying for boards but probably because I don't live in the UK I haven't seen it since it's called Alabama rot or cutaneous and renal glomerular vasculopathy which is basically a fatal condition in dogs and it affects their kidneys um, it affects their skin and it's caused by they think in the UK an E. coli so a bacteria so just some fun facts there about what Alabama rot if we have any UK listeners you're probably like I know what that is um, Does it, do you know is it something that can be caught through a lesion yeah um, typically they get it through like a cut in their foot like it's an infection okay yeah and because i did what i was reading about is that it is very rare for a dog to actually be able to survive it 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's why I said it's a fatal disease. Fatal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's generally what fatal disease means. Has I missed has that been. part. I was. I was <laughs> I was daydreaming. Uh, yes, you're daydreaming about me. That's okay. Stopped. Let's finish off with some trivia. I'm going to ask the question this week. Sure. How many ants does a giant ant eater consume in a day? Do they consume 2,100 ants? That's a very specific number. <laughs> 9,000, 19,000, or 35,000? 2,100, 9,000, 19,000, or 35,000. How many ants does a giant ant eater consume in a day? I feel like that's a vocal ex- exercise. How many ants does a giant ant eater consume in a I day? I know. We'll, we'll do that before every episode to keep our Ant-eater. tip of our tongue tip of, malleable. Tip of our tongue. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. I'm really good at that, and David sucks at that rhyme, and he hates it. No, that's not true. I'm a rubber baby buggy bumpers guy. <laughs> All right. That is it for this episode. Uh, Please remember to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram. And we want to hear from you. Uh, What did you like about our episode? Did you follow along with that that little stump the vet? Were you stumped? Were you stumped? Comment. Message us. Send us a good DM. Slide into our DMs um, on podcast TV comment we want to hear from you and hear what you like and what you don't like and let us know what you think how many ants does an anteater eat how many ants does an anteater eat and that's it for today's podcast <laughs> i am I'm doc- zoned out because lauren's <laughs> having too much fun talking i can see how in like she just wants to hear herself speak so <laughs> i'm just quiet now and well it's okay because we're done the episode i'm dr lauren i'm david And And this this is is the podcast. podcast.